A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Hello, Properly Howard fans. This week, Steve and I are covering the 2010 horror flick, The Wolfman, starring Benicio Del Toro, Emily Blunt, and Anthony Hopkins. Just a word of praise to the Barovian Broadcast Network. Make sure you check in with the Lorehounds for their coverage of Ahsoka. Do a search for the Lorehounds wherever you search for podcasts. All right, without further ado, here to talk about The Wolfman comic steve osborne steve how do you feel about old werewolves <laughs> well you don't age out right i mean i don't know i, I don't feel, know how I feel it like works. we've seen a, i've seen you know if anybody's been following the cocoons of horror and properly howard uh, trajectory we're no strangers to old werewolves i mean there's uh there's Michael J. Fox's father, who also takes uh, Jason Bateman, his nephew, to college. He's not a young werewolf by any stretch. Very uh, paternal more, werewolf, that one. Very settled in. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, Jack Nicholson was a late blooming, uh, late adopter of lycanthropy. So, yeah, right. So if the lichen is old but becomes a werewolf later in life, He's still kind of like a pup of a werewolf, right? Yeah, he's he's like he's a he's a pup of a werewolf, but a but a uh, an elder of a man. <laughs> so, so I like I like the old werewolf trope. Kind of like I, how you know we we kind of we got into our career. I mean, you weren't as late into your uh, academic career as I was saying into my comedy career. So I'm, I figured myself a young comic, mm-hmm. but a but a but an old regular person. Well, I mean, there, there there were hints of lycanthropy throughout your life, I think. Well, sure, right? Like, I mean, we all have little moments, right? Like, even uh, Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf, like, he didn't it didn't happen immediately. Right. Didn't take right away. So, I don't know the rules about old werewolves. It feels like I know with vampires, maybe the older is better. Like, according to some myths, the older you are, the more powerful you are. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think according to some iterations of that story, older vampires are stronger. But according to the movie that we we just watched, I think the older you become as a werewolf, the worse you uh, are as an actor. 
I do want to. I do want to talk about Anthony Hopkins. Um, yeah, I do too. But but I don't know if he wants us to. I feel like Anthony Hopkins is low key a very prominent horror actor. Like when sure. I think of like you know famous horror actors, I think Jamie Lee Curtis. I think you know there's there's a number of these actors that come to mind. Right, and, and they, but they're not necessarily usually... like they don't stay there necessarily, right? Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, Christopher I... Lee, famously. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, perfect. So, but Anthony Hopkins, you know, I think that when you think of Anthony Hopkins, like Bella Lugosi wasn't in like a a, a slapstick <laughs> comedy that I'm aware of. You, you, you didn't see a sitcom, <laughs> yeah. Bella and the Goon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, he plays both characters. He plays his uh, much slower younger brother. His younger brother is a goon, and he's kind of a slob, and he's a sports writer. Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of like the Odd Couple, except uh, it still had some horror elements to it. Right. And Bella Lugosi was just Bella Lugosi. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he plays himself famously. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't normally think of Anthony Hopkins in like the the pantheon of horror actors, but if you think about it, it, it might it might be worth reconsidering, right? What what would you say is his like most iconic role? Hannibal Lecter, right? Right. Yeah, and that's also a later in life one, right? So, and that gets more horrific as the sequels, you know, right? roll out and he's in a movie where they have to fight a killer bear. He's in a movie where they have to fight a killer bear. Uh, he's also... He's Van Helsing. Yeah, Van Helsing. He's Van Helsing. <laughs> and Coppola's Dracula. One of, one of my earlier memories of, of Anthony Hopkins is in the like the horror-ish thriller Magic, where he's uh, a schizophrenic ventriloquist, which sounds amazing when I say it out loud. <laughs> I don't know if Westworld is a horror. It's more of like a definitely hard a science sci-fi. fiction. It's hard sci-fi. Yeah, it would. It, I think it. I would say that probably that it probably lends itself maybe more to the sci-fi horror than like yeah. as it goes on, right? Yeah, there are definitely horrific elements of that. So anyway, I think that Anthony Hopkins is. Um, oh, let's not forget his work as C.S. Lewis, uh, which is <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> which is terrifying. <laughs> think we've been sleeping on anthony hopkins and not only is he a prominent horror actor he really acts like a prominent horror actor in this film he sure does he's really settling in isn't he poor little lawrence you were the fragile one i removed the powder from those shells many many years ago but uh i confess i was quite overwhelmed by your enormous courage Finally, you're the man I always wanted to be. You're heir to my kingdom, Lawrence. You've always been heir to my kingdom. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, this movie, we got a lot to talk about, I think, personally. I This movie, this is my second watch. In the whole time, like, whether it was performance whether it was effects, whether it was just any part of the movie, I would I would pause it periodically and just ask myself, is this good? <laughs> was that good? 
I feel like there are certain things that I forgive, like even if the acting's bad. And, you know, classic sci-fi is kind of one of those things. And just give me any werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I rewatched a little bit of the 1942 Wolfman uh, for the, in preparation. Long have Cheney. You, yeah, have you seen this? I've never seen it. One of my favorite scenes is when he's just about to turn into a werewolf. <laughs> he's just about to turn into a werewolf for the first time. And he takes off his sock and looks at his foot, and it's just getting hairier and hairier. And he pumps his fist like, ah, dang it. <laughs> oh, darn <carn-sarn> it. <laughs> the fist pump was just beautiful. That, that makes me want, in a werewolf movie, uh, what we used to get in every body-changing movie, whether it was big or vice versa, mm-hmm. or like father, like son, the scene where he starts turning the werewolf, and the first thing he does is look into his underwear. Why that would absolutely be my first look, right? I think that would be a, that would be a pretty early like as soon as I saw like a fingernail grow, like, oh, oh man, like that would have been perfect in Teen Wolf, maybe more in Teen Wolf too because Teen Wolf two just needed not, something. Maybe I'd be afraid. Maybe I would be you know that you'd have the whole lipstick happening down there. Oh, could you imagine? No, it's terrifying. And did you know that like they can actually like a dog's erection can get uh can get stuck. And uh, you have to manually put it back in. Otherwise, it'll dry out. Like anywhere? Is it like one of these little like <laughs> rubber sticky things that goes to the window? <laughs> well, no, like it'll, it'll, it stays, it'll like lock, it'll go into a locked position. Honey, the dog's penis is stuck on the bathroom floor again. Well, no, I'm talking like stuck out. Like it's just out. Like okay. he just walks around and it's okay. just out. I'm happy for the clarification. You know when you have like a uh, like you know maybe not a real expensive tripod and you just sort of extend it and then that little ball bearing thing goes and connects through the hole and then now mm-hmm. that's how it's locked into place. Like mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what happens. Like a, like a broken umbrella. Mm-hmm. You when I say you, I mean my wife. Typically, I've never done this, but you take a little ice, I believe, and you sort of ice mm-hmm. the area and then just sort of uh, get it back in there. You don't talk to it about baseball. <laughs> Hey, Henley, you think Shohei Otani is going to come to the Giants? <laughs> That's a joke just for us. <laughs> they get Because it's just, once it's out, man, it's out. It's It's got a mind of its own. I want to see that in a werewolf movie. <laughs> I want to see Singh having to put Anthony Hopkins' stuck lipstick back in the case. Um. All right. So uh, what's your feeling about Benicio Del Toro? So I, it's funny. I, I mean, I don't have a ton of Benicio del Toro viewing. I don't think. I mean, I, famously, I think I it was introduced to him in, in the Usual Suspects. Yeah, and, that uh, me too. Yeah, and uh, and I, and I'm trying to think of like I know I've oh I've seen him of course in uh, uh, Star Wars, one of the newer ones. Uh, well, he was also was... in the Marvel universe. Was he? Yeah, he was the collector. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. Now I got it. And yeah, so he's one of those guys, like, going back to my previous comment, like, Benicio Del Toro is a guy that I often pause and go, is he good? He was in... Because I think... uh, He was in something called Golden Balls. That seems like something I'd watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Never saw it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I have more experience with him than I give myself. Snatch... He yeah, was okay. in Sin City. So, 
it's okay so i think it's worth discussing so the um the universal monster remakes have been sort of this ongoing effort that hasn't quite taken like and i think post the wolfman like more modernly they've they really thought they were going to create like an avengers type shared universe Mm-hmm. right so they they had and they had i remember there was uh i forget what magazine it was i did a whole spread on all the like meet your like new universal monsters right and you have like tom cruise and russell crowe and you've got uh gosh i forget i think uh javier bardem and so like it was like they, they were all in they, gonna make this happen when was this um this was a few years ago because ah. i with the mummy with tom cruise's the mummy i think was supposed to be the first one that really launched this Huh. And uh, and so, have you seen the Mummy with Tom Cruise? No, I haven't. Man, it is rancid. And uh, Russell Crowe plays Doctor Jekyll in a little sort of like a Nick Fury kind of uh, cameo to sort of start linking the universes. Right? Okay, interesting. And the Mummy was such a colossal failure that it killed the entire effort. Wow. To do this Universal monster thing. And uh, which is a, which is a bummer. And also, I think there's there's something to be learned from this. Right. And so I know the Wolfman is very much the universal um, uh, remake. It's, it's you know, it's I, I don't I don't know if this goes because it's like 2010, I think. Right. So I don't That's think right. that this was when they were necessarily considering that. But I think they were definitely on the track of 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 let's 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 make these let's you know and, I, and then i don't think it was the shared universe concept necessarily but i think it was like hey let's let's reboot all of these and again wolfman didn't do very well um did they have De Niro for frankenstein <laughs> see i want that i want you to give me all of those bring De Niro back um you know bring benicio back what do i care uh have uh, anthony hopkins have to play van helsing and then Benicio de Torres like well what, are you my dad but I guess he's dead too I don't know whatever <laughs> do whatever you want but um it's uh old men as Dracula who who would you want as Dracula well so now that brings up a, a big a big uh issue right when we start talking about that rebooting these like but Tom Cruise isn't the mummy right like unfortunately which would have been great and the mummy is like not like the mummy from the universal days where it was just this you know bandaged corpse slowly making its way around i don't know what the mummy i'm assuming it cursed i don't know anyway it just did its thing but like this one is like there's this it's very supernatural very like hyper remake of brendan fraser's the mummy which to me was pretty entertaining um this was just very different in that regard and so i i think that might have been part of the problem is that when you know having tom cruise as the hero is different than having like a big name as mm-hmm. the monster to me i think that might be more did you not hear um, that brennan fraser is gonna redo the mummy but as his character in the whale called the tummy <laughs> thought you like that <laughs> i'm in all right continue um, so um so it's an interesting move, and I guess I guess Benicio del Toro in 2010 had some heat on him, right? You know, I don't know when Sicario came out, but um, but it but that's it's a, it's what inter- I was think I was trying to think. What's his best movie? And I, of course, I think it is Sicario. You think it's Sicario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a um, but then this movie offs him, right? So it's like I think one of the things that's interesting about monster movies is sort of the 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 continuation of the 
like this was a, definitely a standalone, right? This is not going to be a shared universe. Like, the, I don't even know what the shared universe would do. Like, does is it become the Monster Squad? Is that the only way that the end makes sense? Well, is I was that, just going to say this sounds like they're trying to remake the Monster Squad. Which, do it. <laughs> you know, t- that's the approach. You know, build towards like have Monster Squad be what you're building towards, right? Um, because I mean, in your Dracula, so the issue going like now we're on a conversation to Dracula is like we have we have any vampire movies are there, right? And I like vampire movies typically, but there's not. I don't have as much interaction with Dracula as I do vampires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there's Bram Stoker's Dracula. I watched m- much of the uh, BBC miniseries Dracula. Oh, I like I love uh, that. That was great. It's great. But and then the Dracula from Monster Squad. But other than that, like I don't know that I have much actual Dracula. So they they, they just came out with a movie, and it was about the uh, the voyage, right? The voyage of the the ship that's transporting them. That's right, and I think it's called the Dementor or something like that. De- Demeter, I think is what they're doing. Yeah. All right, right. Oh, and then wasn't was Renfield also was Nicolas Cage Dracula in that, or was he just a vampire? That's a good question. It must have been Dracula because otherwise it wouldn't be called Renfield. All right, sorry. <laughs> That'd be great if it was if it was just Renfield. Just yeah, <laughs> but they couldn't get they couldn't get Dracula. Couldn't get the rights to the name Dracula. <laughs> so back to the Wolfman. Uh, I I do feel like there's something about the old monster and the new monster. And, this kind of the trope or something that I'm just always excited about. It's like mm. this guy's been a this guy's been a werewolf for thirty years, and this other guy's been a werewolf for two minutes. Let's watch mm. him fight. Right. right. I, that I mean that it gets me every time. In a very unspectacular fashion. <laughs> My daughter watched just the last thirty minutes of this, and uh, she's like. That's it, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying to explain to that. Like, like, no, no, no. It was more exciting beforehand. I'm like, no, it sure was not. I'm going to answer who this movie's for. I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to answer. I think this is for classic horror fans that have affection for the original movie. That's a great – I'm glad you brought that up because I thought about that, right? Because – Because that's not me. I was not – I was not – I mean, I, no. I, I that was never in my wheelhouse. Like a, a werewolf movie from 1942 was never going to, you know, do it for me. So – and I think that this this really kind of unfolds that story. I mean, even down to the gypsies and whatnot. Well, it yeah. It, but it does beg the question, right? If you're a fan of that, are you alive? <laughs> and if you are alive, do you want to see a very gory version of that? And i that's where I think this movie might be swinging and missing, right? I think it's trying to appeal to something in a way that doesn't appeal to that thing. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, I think I think so. You're right. And I think, but here's the thing: I do believe that at the core of those those horror films back back when in the '40s, they for I the vibe I got is that they were trying to be as as dark and sinister as they could get away with, right? But they didn't have effects; they didn't they couldn't go super gory. 
I don't think that they were meant to be necessarily romanticized like they are now. I think that they were kind of just horror films. So well, they may have very that, well gone the direction of gore if they had had the opportunity to. I think that they suffered from the same thing that sci-fi did. Like it wasn't considered real filmmaking. It was sort of like sure. it, it was sort of in its you're never going to get the budget that you needed, which means the effects aren't going to be great. But in this movie, you've got Rick Baker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, w- I didn't feel like the the effects were what made this film not work. It was it's one of those things. This is an interesting one. And and, and when you have a Rick Baker and his practical effects and then you're also combining CGI. Mm, yeah, um, that's and again, it's 2010. So we're, it might look much different now. Like it, it the CGI, even in 2010, it's definitely flatter. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's even though it's really well done, it's still like, you know, it's happening. Yeah, You can see the seams, but I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to forgive that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have necessarily a problem with that, but it is one of those things where it's an interesting hybrid, right? Cause you bring in this classic, uh, effects artist, um, which is good. And I'm really glad they did because I think that if we had just seen CGI, uh, Wolfman, this movie's like, I mean, that happened in like Harry Potter, right? I mean, whenever you see a CGI, Wolfman, I was like, I was out, you know, on those kinds of scenes. That's right. Um, whereas this, I think that that was a good, and it was also felt much more like uh, a tribute to that era by having practical effects with that. Yeah, um, that's why I think that this is for people who have affection for the original, and they they'd love to see Rick Baker take a swing at sort of improving what was you know pretty comical about the original right yeah but at the time not right i mean that's the thing is like looking we, we look back through a certain lens um look the mechanical shark and jaws terrified your father um <laughs> i don't know if it was the actual shark that did it i think it, i think it was <laughs> it was the music well, that's fair but so but but I, I going back to my, my point is i think that I think so. These are iconic, and they didn't know that they were. I bet you they didn't know they were making these iconic movie monsters when they were making them. Like to your point, like they may have just been making these these horror films that were not super well regarded. I don't know. Maybe they were really popular, but but the um, but like I grew up as I, I as a kid, I had a Wolfman action figure, I had a, I had a Dracula action figure, and they looked pretty much like Lon Chaney Jr. and mm-hmm. and Bela Lugosi because like they they became the face of dracula right like that and the, the the all of those like the creature from the black lagoon frankenstein's monster i mean we think of frankenstein's monster from the movie more than we think of it from anything else i mean that figure the the image that even today that people are recreating it's from that film it's not like that was from something else i mean that that's an amazing stamp on um on culture right i mean that's those are the iconic monsters so what happens is, is that we have this association that is kind of passed down through uh generations right and probably less so now right like i mean if you're going to start talking to to young younger people like my my kids they don't have near the affinity for say a frankenstein or a dracula or a wolfman certainly not like a creature of the black lagoon like they would freddy jason michael myers uh even you know like chucky you know what i mean like they've kind of replaced that right and they're becoming these iconic uh yeah i uh, think characters. if you were gonna ask my son like 
you know, the, the scary movies that he's seen, you know, it. Sure. I don't know. Like Megan was big. The, he, he was sort Annabelle. of. Yeah, the, the, this most recent Smile movie really freaked him out. But yeah, but like if you're talking about like an iconic like figure, somebody that you would dress up as, or mm-hmm. you would have, you know, something that you would right. associate with maybe like an in in a in art or a shirt, like so. Th- so these these monsters have sort of. So I think this is maybe the issue is that who they think it's appealing to may may not be around as much, and you know, it may not matter as much, right? So if you make a we're going to bring back old school Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman. That may be who you're appealing to, but the question is, who is that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and know. If, and, to, and the point I was trying to make is like, if it's, if that person is really like exists, they might look at them as a romantic. They might not be going, I finally, I want a real rip a rip up a body part version of the Wolfman. They may not want that. And if they do, they might be more interested in like just the werewolf lore as opposed to trying to harken back to this period piece that that shows, you know, pays homage to to this original type of film. I mean, I don't I don't I don't know what people's thoughts are. I don't know that people are like, I want I wish Bella Lugosi was a great Dracula. I just wish he ripped out more necks and I could see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know what? So, you know what? It has kind of replaced this for the next generation is Marvel because last Halloween Marvel did a werewolf. Oh, Morbius. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, oh, no, Morbius, Morbius was the vampire one. What vampire. The... Uh, it's on Disney plus. It was called like werewolf by night or something like that. Um, mm. And it was decent. It was, you know, and it was sort of like a black and white to sort of be an homage to classic horror. It's in the Marvel universe. And, you know, you've got evil elves. You've got, you know, basically the Hulk is a combination of Frankenstein and the Wolfman, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you're going to do that, if you're going to bring these back, these classic horror things, it probably needs to be in the Marvel Universe for the next generation to care about it. Yeah, because I think most people that have werewolf movies that they probably enjoy or at a younger it might be more comedies that's true you know i think i think a lot of these horror icons have sort of like even if we're talking about renfield renfield is comic it's a comedy right i mean um have you i've not seen it and i would love to see it i hear it was really bad but i mean i'll stream it for free if you give me a nicholas cage overacting as dracula i'm in (laughs) okay um, I mean, I've seen him be a vampire before. Was it Kiss of the Vampire, where he famously ate a, a live cockroach? Why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, not indeed. <laughs> I I have a serious question about this film. Okay, first off, I feel like I know a lot about world religions. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not know that the Sikh religion was a werewolf-fighting religion. Uh, did, that was something new to me. I, I, I'm glad that I watched this so I, I, lear- I could learn that little bit. My question is about the whole gypsy part of this. And I, and I did a little dive into sort of, you know, gypsy culture. I found out that in some parts of the world, gypsy is an ethnic slur. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some parts of the world, it's not. Um, and- Hopefully they're the ones listening. And and as you know, 
our audience is 50% Roma. And uh, I just hope they have Wi-Fi wherever they're at at this moment. They did this little thing where, uh, number one, I don't know if you need the gypsies in this movie. Not sure if that adds to the movie or not. But if you're going to bring them in, then make them meaningful in some way. In this one, the matriarch of the community says that this is a story about fate. And she also says the one who loves him will have to set him free. I don't know if that is a nod to American Werewolf in London or if there's some deeper connection to werewolf lore where the person who wields the weapon that kills the wolf has to be in love with the werewolf. I'm I'm really interested in this. I, I don't know if you've got any insight here. I just was like, but what did that have to do with anything that happened? Nothing. Ha- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it didn't have to. They didn't pay off that nearly at all. Unless. Right. So that was that was. Wait, so she fell in love with him after she found out that he would just just disembowel people. Yeah, once she, a month? she did fall in love with him. And it was after he had disemboweled people. My daughter was was very funny. She's. She said, well, why not? Why can't she just lock him up one day a month if she loves him so much? She's like, he's about she to said, people, She said, people did worse to women on their periods back then. It's an, it's an excellent point. Yeah, that 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 was really, really well done. So tip of the cap, Abigail. Um, yeah. If she, all right, so she loves him. She has a silver, a gun with a silver bullet. She shoots him. She kills him. Was that the magic combination? Like if someone who didn't love him tried to shoot him with a silver bullet, would he not have died? Well, if that's the case, and then then these guys have got to spend way more time trying to, to fall in love with this guy. <laughs> they got, what, 28, 29 days out of the month to fall in love with this guy. Put your grinder app on and go learn a little something. This is the second movie, because it was in American Werewolf in London, where that theme was introduced and not paid off. And I yeah. I feel like if you're listening to this and you've got any insight here, I would love to know what the deal is with that. Because I like werewolf lore. I just feel like that is a fascinating... Yeah. It, it's, it's a fascinating bit of world building that I do not feel like I've seen paid off in a movie. So, so yeah, we've, I think we've discussed like we both enjoy uh, werewolves. Um, and I'm kind of up for almost any, anything that's got a werewolf in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like you, I think I'll be a little more forgiving along that journey. Cause it's like, this is something I enjoy. Um, and funny thing for me is I think I, I, really liked werewolves because of the classic werewolf movie that I never saw. But of all the iconic monsters, I always thought he looked the coolest. <laughs> and I think I liked that idea that like, Oh, he's not a monster all the time. Right. You know? That's, that's uh, the unlike, difference. unlike, and, and unlike the Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, who's also not a monster all the time. Like my understanding of Jekyll and Hyde is like, he could turn into that monster whenever he, you know, or, it was kind of of his own doing, right? Whereas this was this interesting balancing act, right? Uh, there is obviously a similar similar concept of Jekyll and Hyde, 
Um, but the Jekyll and Hyde kind of is more in the in, in the sense of like, hey, this is who you might have lurking inside you already. Whereas the the Wolfman was different; like it's very primal. Mm. And and uh, um, so I just always thought that the wolves were cool. So I mean, and that's why I really wanted to. I wanted to, and I remember uh, I didn't see all of. I saw some of uh, Michael Landon's. Uh, I was a teenage werewolf, uh, which is sort of where Teen Wolf uh, mm-hmm. is kind of an unofficial remake um sorry there's something buzzing in the background um so i've always been i've always and i've always enjoyed i think i've enjoyed werewolves uh because they're i always liked the the michael landon teenage werewolf because i always liked the werewolf in a letterman jacket um and i think i like the idea i think that's why i i prefer my werewolves in modern times. So you you're so saying you, been, you're I, okay with the old werewolf, but you would rather have the Teen Wolf. Uh, yeah, and I'd rather the but I'd rather them being like in a more modern setting. I, I think I like mm, werewolves in okay. a modern setting. Well, you might like a show that I I enjoyed. It's called Wolf Like Me. It was just in the last couple of years, and it's got jo- Josh Gad in it. And hmm. you can stream it on Peacock. Okay. And uh, I thought it was, I thought it was, I mean, it's sort of like a werewolf romantic comedy. Gotcha. And it is set in modern Australia. Does that, does that, does that count? Does modern times work if it's in Australia? No, because I don't feel like Australia is modern ever. Well, it's, it, it's on the cusp of modernity at least. Hmm. <laughs> if you say so. You're gonna have to take my word for it. Don't we still send prisoners there? I think that they send prisoners to us. No, okay. Um, is there a tweak uh, that you would make to the Wolfman 2010 that you think would improve it? Um, I would make it better. <laughs> well, so here's the, here's the thing, uh, and again, this is more than a tweak, but it's like there was a lot of so what. <laughs> As, as as the movie goes on, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah, his bad. His dad was like super bad. But I'm like, he seems like a bad dad all the time. My dear fellow, I wish I could tell you that the tragedy that has beset your life was over, but I'm afraid the darkest hours of hell lie before you. I don't think they'll kill you, Lawrence, but they will blame you. Beast will have its day. Like, like, okay. I mean, everything was just like fine. Like, I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing really about um, the the brother's wife's dynamic. Like, none of it really made a lot of sense to me. It was so yeah. So Anthony Hopkins is playing an asshole, basically. Yeah. Who sometimes turns into a werewolf. Right. And then at that point, he's a murderous asshole. But I'm wondering. If he wasn't, I think sometimes what the great thing about the werewolf is that it doesn't matter how nice of a guy you are. Once a month, you're going to murder right. people, right? So if Anthony Hopkins was less of an asshole, would that have improved this movie? I, I think maybe, right? Because when he has the, when he's got his son committed and going through all this terrible shock therapy, and he's just a total jerk about it, you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> 
this guy sucks. <laughs> you know? So then it's like, oh, he's a werewolf. I was like, yeah, because he sucks. You know, but so there is not, so there's no dynamic difference there, right? Um, whereas, and so what that did, and then I didn't really know what to do with the Benicio del Toro character either, because they kind of like, I don't know that I ever, like, it never was like, oh no, not that guy, a werewolf. <laughs> it's like, all right, fine, be a werewolf. I don't really know who you are, and I don't know <laughs> a whole lot about you. You're, you're trying to why does he have to be an actor so yeah the thing is they, they they kept on setting all these things up but they didn't explore any of these people they didn't make them very uh you know multi-dimensional he's kind of trying to figure out what like how his brother died and kind of investigating and and then he becomes a werewolf and then he just disembowels people and runs around and i'm like i'm in for that i mean don't get me wrong i like that but at the same time then it's like oh now he's back to being a human and he has to deal with the fact that he's that and it's like or not <laughs> you know or just not i guess so my tweak is there are a few scenes where like the preacher's talking about the history of werewolves mm -hmm. emily blunt's sort of pouring over literature about lichens and history and i feel like give me what what are you learning? What, what what did you learn in those books? Like, right? What what are you learning from? Like, tell me more about like, you got the Sikh guy. He's he's got some connection to India, and then of course you know historically the Roma migrated from India. So you've got all kinds of opportunities for someone in the story to tell me about pick, the werewolf. Pick something. <laughs> Pick something and do it. I want to know. I want to know. I all care was, about all, this. Everything was just building up. To, it, was, it was all world building that wolves, wolf men exist. It's like, I know they do because it's called the wolf man. You've already let me know. It's not mysterious creature in the dark. What the did you movie. learn in that book, Emily Blunt? That's what I want to know. All right. And how are you How are you going to apply it? What do you do? How then shall we live? <laughs> that's um, what I want to know. Okay. So that's one tweak. And then I would say fewer jump scares. I feel like this, like I chose to watch the long, the 10 minute longer version, right? There were two I options. So maybe this is my fault. You know, maybe it's like. Because I think there is more. I, 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 did you read the differences? No. Because I, I saw didn't. the original. I saw the original and I didn't remember a bunch. It could be that if I were to watch the original, I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. This is a fantastic. No, movie. you won't. Um, there was some minor differences. I think there was more. There was actually more, my understanding is there's more in the pub scene in, in the new one uh -huh. or the unrated version. And that to me, when you talk about like, is, you know, is there something that works? I know I'm jumping ahead, but like, you know, tropes that I, I give me people in a pub talking about the like you know theories in the in the lore like that I'm in I'm in for that every time I saw the bodies with my own eyes unnatural wounds most unnatural made by a fell creature I say damn gypsies wandering the countryside bringing their woe and deviltry with them they show up and two weeks later this happens my guess is Ben Talbot went to their camp to have it off with a gypsy or the bear gets hold of him and they dump what's left of him in the ditch. Got nothing to do with the gypsies. 25 years ago now, my pa found him. Quinn Noddy and all his flock. Brains and guts and God knows what. 
lying all over the moor for a quarter mile. And Quinn, the look on his face, like he'd been eaten alive. Whatever did it was big, had claws, and didn't mind a load of buckshot. After that, my pa went home and melted down my ma's wedding spoons and cast silver bullets on them. That's good stuff. I, I like the old timers that know the town lore. Right. It's a great way to move a narrative. Like that to me is exactly how you can be expository in an authentic way and be entertaining. And so, and I think back to your point about like, what'd you learn in the books? Like these are these opportunities. Like you don't have to, if you're going to do the book scene, get one of these scenes afterwards. Like now mm-hmm. she can be somebody that chats in a, in a pub and relays some of this information or, or dispels some of it, you know, instead of having him say, oh, my, my whore is my mother or whatever, but she'll del Toro says like, how much more interesting is it if Emily Blunt is in there hearing this type of thing and then she's kind of arguing against it and we can see her start mm-hmm. to see like maybe she's starting to wrestle with the humanity of this creature so that when she starts to fall there's a sympathy that may end up turning into love or something along those lines like that's what you need to do if you're going to introduce this concept of well you need to be in love with them it's like well i don't even know who this guy is So just a little note here for game of thrones fans the actor like the one of the main lore expositors remembrancers in the pub was the actor clive russell and he played the blackfish uh brendan tully Mm. in game of thrones did you need hugo weaving at all why not well what did he do (laughs) he got paid he got paid what did he do but it's one of those things where it's like well this is the i mean like okay like it was one of those, if everything was like set up to be something and then none of it was. And here's the thing. I actually don't mind this movie because it's a werewolf movie. Because of all of the reasons I probably am saying I don't like it are the reasons why I will watch, I would watch it again. Give me Anthony Hopkins absolutely overdoing it. Um, give me a almost unintelligible Benicio Toro, Del Toro at times. Um Give me Wolfman turning into Wolfman. Give me a uh, give, give me uh, doctors in a asylum that are going to soon fall victim to their own hubris, uh, and so much so that they don't even see everybody in front of them pointing behind them, going and gasping and saying, <laughs> "Look out!" <laughs> Was there a trope, a cliche, or a device that you liked in this movie? pub? That pub. All right. So I like I like a crotchety old man living in a haunted mansion with his manservant. <laughs> <laughs> is that a trope or is that just a fantasy? <laughs> I could either be the crotchety old man or the manservant. I don't mind. Here's the deal. You and I will make, we're going to make a pact, assuming that, you know, something happens and our wives come to their senses and it's just you and me. I don't care. Like, I'll be either one or we can alternate. I don't know. We could sort of mix it I up. I don't know if I could live with the, the spider webs. I mean, there's just well, there's so no way. many. There's no way. I ran into a spider web uh, yesterday. And uh, I spent the entirety of probably up until I showered this morning wondering if that spider was on me. <laughs> I would like to see the manservant dust a little bit. Yeah, I would just like just... I said, that's why you, I want a modern version. He's got a dustbuster out or something. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, nothing says modern like a dustbuster, Steve. What are you doing? <laughs> um, I love it. I will, I will eat it up every single time. I love the all fours Wolfman sprint. Oh, baby. 
So that's the thing, and that's a, and, and all not only that, going rooftop to rooftop oh, yeah, rooftop. in London. Forget about fantastic. it. Fantastic. Other thing I love is I love I love a metamorphosis. I love mm. the I love it when it hurts, <laughs> like when it's just sort of like they're crouching. And it's like ah no, I'm getting old wolf spine. You know, I was really excited about the change when the German scientist has his back turned. Yeah, and yeah. All the other scientists are. You know, guffawing. Oh, the teeth thing. Man. The teeth thing was really interesting. Give me, give me a a German scientist who I'm pretty sure is gonna be torn to shreds. Getting his world. comeuppance. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. What was the ice thing? Like they put him in a chair and then they like. I think it made was. Him I go think backwards it, into an ice. I, bath? Yeah, I think it was just like like temperature shock type thing. And I, every time I'm like, bro, you know you're going in. Why is your mouth open every single time? Like, it's not like you were going fast. What did they think that the ice bath was going to do to him? Like, maybe I, I understand it probably hurts to run full force at someone when you have a shackle around your neck, right? Right. How far gone do you think you have to be to run, to sprint? With a shackle on your with neck. With a metal shackle around your neck. That's a good question. I mean, you you got to be all gone for that, right? Yeah, I mean, unless there's like something real tasty at the end of that. <laughs> well, what would it be? It would have to be. It would have to be an to, to run to the end of your chain. It would have to be a if somebody was like, "Look, I've got a box of peanut butter boppers from 1987, and they're <laughs> in perfect condition. Come get it." And it's just a foot out of reach. Oh, man. I died in what you love, dude. <laughs> Does this movie have a half of the battle, one to grow on moment? Yeah. I mean, I think so, right? I mean, just, uh, you know, if, it just, if, if you believe that a family member was ripped to shreds by a, a, uh, a monster, um, you know, just send an email. I was going to say. Condolences card. That's fine. I was going to say, if Max von Sydow offers you a silversmithed dagger <laughs> that's concealed by a cane, don't turn it down. Oh, no, yeah. I think that's, I don't think that's in the original. I think that's only in the unrated. Oh, is that right? So they cut out von Sydow. There's, there is something, and I forget what it is, I'd have to look back, but there's something that, because of they, they add it in the unrated version, but they don't follow through with it or they use a theatrical end like it actually becomes incongruous huh like something is said or or introduced and then it's not um well it, i guess that that kind of the dagger yeah maybe that's the thing right doesn't really it's sort of like a Chekhov's gun that never gets used yeah that's interesting okay well hmm i liked it i liked i liked the the silversmith dagger cane. I thought that was. Well, the thing is, there's elements of this movie that, like I said, if you follow through with them and maybe don't worry about other parts of it. Like, like what if you didn't even have the dad and the bad werewolf, right? Isn't it bad enough to be a werewolf? Like you, you're a werewolf and you're out like you're, you're just a dude. And then also you're like, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of killings that happened. And that might've been me. I'm covered in blood. Like, do you need a bad werewolf? You're the bad werewolf. I think you need him because 
He does. The father doesn't approve of the son's career. So, so this movie is more about daddy issues than than the curse of a yeah. werewolf. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. The daddy killed the mom. The daddy killed the brother. Now the daddy's going to try to kill you. Right. What are you going to do? Well, or, and you know, not only that, you could that make that movie, he's... and then Benicio del Toro's not a werewolf, though, right? Not only that, but uh, daddy doesn't like your chosen career. Doesn't you're you're a famous actor. Uh you're gonna tour America, doesn't care at all. Yeah. But he taunts you. He says, Maybe someday I'll come to see you at the theater. This guy's just just a monster. He's just a monster yeah. of a And of so a is Benicio del Toro. That's the one I'm trying to watch. <laughs> I don't understand. Like that's the problem. I think I think maybe that is the big issue that we have, right? If you eliminate this this father as aspect like this daddy issues thing and then a, a big battle at the end from werewolf to werewolf like to me i don't i don't know if we need that right i mean maybe then you can spend more time on this one dude's struggle with being a werewolf and then how love finds a way to make his way through that okay here's what i would like to see you go weaving he gets bit right yeah now, he's a Scotland Yard detective who's kind of famous because he was on the Jack the Ripper case, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the Wolfman movie I'd like to see. Well, and that's probably what they're saying. I want to see right? him. I, I want to see him investigating his own killings in London. And he doesn't know it's him. And he doesn't know it's him. There's the movie. He, I mean, of course, he's going to come up. He's going to come up with, a, you know, a few clues. But uh, I I think that that's it. Yeah, you might want to edit this part out of the podcast because that we're we're doing that. <laughs> Can and Hugo Weaving is absolutely cast in this role. Mm, I mean, that was 2010. I feel like Hugo Weaving's uh, star has dimmed a, sen- a little bit since then. I would like to see that set in modern times. Could we do that? I feel like it's a little bit harder now with that because of all the you know social media and camera phones mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay um is this movie better or is it on par with a ron howard film uh, it's a howard minus three i'm gonna me. say howard minus two okay because i did not hate the movie you know yeah it's uh I I didn't I didn't it's hate got it. Problems, but I, I mean I I chose to watch the longer version, and if I go back, I'd probably do it again. Go back. <laughs> I w- I would probably make the same choice. I think uh, I think because there was it, it was missing a lot of the humanity part, right? It was missing a lot of the. It, there wasn't anything. But I didn't I didn't find any of the characters especially compelling. Like they were just. Mm-hmm. their descriptions on paper was essentially what you saw on the screen. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't that extra level. Um, and I think, I think Howard would have done a better job with that part of it. I'd like to see Howard do a Wolfman. Yeah, I could, I could get on board with that. Did you ever see uh, this? Uh, I think it might've been Netflix. might've been Hulu. I'm not sure. It's called 13 lives. It's, 
uh, Ron Howard's most recent movie? No. Man, I I have never. I, I don't want to say I'd never, but it's it had been a long time since I was so gripped up by a movie. Really? Like, I was like tense. I was I, I was like uh, sitting on the edge of the couch. It's a true story. It involves uh, caves and divers. It's it's really good. It's really good. All right. And it reminds you every now and again, like, Howard can pull something like this out of his head every now and again. Yeah. Um, last question, Steve. You and I are writing a screenplay together. Mm-hmm. Is there anything about this film that you would like to bring into our film? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, there's a... I, I could maybe be uh, I coaxed into sort of a chat about the, the lore, right? Like, you know, like in a pub, but, in, you know, we said it somewhere different. Like maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's, some, maybe it's some young people playing, uh, playing arcade games or something. Or they're like a, super... I like the idea of a, a cane that has a hidden gadget. Well, gadget. Sure. I used to, gadget makes sense. I used to, ha- I used to have a cane with a hidden knife. Did you know this? Yeah. You you knew you knew this about me. Yeah. Okay. And even if I didn't know yeah. it in actuality, I knew it like emotionally. I I love that thing. I don't know what happened to it. It's in the wrong hands. All right. <clears throat> Legit dagger. You know you could. I don't know if you kill kill a werewolf with it, but you could. Kill Hugo Weaving for sure. Well, you could kill a werewolf with, if you have taken the time to get to know them and love them for who they are. <laughs> you gotta learn to love them, I guess. <clears throat> so, Steve, I think that I will probably watch every werewolf movie that they will that they make. I'll watch every single one. Uh, I'm happy they made this movie. I, I, I'm giving it a, a Howard minus two, but I am happy that they made this movie. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, I've seen it twice. So I, I don't. I would be. I'd be surprised if I'd never watch it again. I love all the London scenes. Just give me. I, I could watch all the London scenes over and over, except for when he's like in the knickknack shop that she's got, or is she like an art dealer or an artifact? I know that's so funny. Like the movie, it's interesting. Like the movie tried to do like it it excelled when it was, when the wolf was there. Right. I think, I think, Mm -hmm. I think that was great. Any transformation scene, anytime. See the, I didn't, and then the asylum scene, I was actually kind of okay because for the first time I was kind of like invested in, in this guy. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but then every time it tried to do anything else, it was like they just didn't. It, this movie was really all. It, this movie was exactly what it, <laughs> what it actually was titled. It's the Wolf Man. This is not. Should have been called the Wolf Men. You know. Yeah, that's true. The Wolf Dad. How about this? How about a movie where uh, one of the astronauts is a Wolf Man, <laughs> and and they're going into space, and he's timed it just right. But he, one major miscalculation is that once he leaves the Earth's atmosphere, the moon is always full. <laughs> they've, they've got to get to the other side. They're, so the whole movie is like this werewolf is chasing him on the space shuttle. And they're like, if we could just just fly to where there's a shadow. <laughs> they they got to 
You gotta fly to the other side. Of and the he's earth. he's changing the coordinates. So they they're limited because they they're you know they're missing their chief science officer because he's just wolfing out. He's the only one. They're they're off course. He's the only one that can get him back. But they can't get back until he turns back into. They can't kill him. <laughs> A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.